0: what would it be?
1: I walked into the steel industry and I'm walking in to an environment that I don't know. So it was very hard for me to be able to prove myself and I had to work my ass off.
0: Cecily McGuckin is a trailblazer. As the first and only female CEO in Australia's steel distribution industry, she is passionate about driving change in her industry and her family-owned business, Queensland Sheet and Steel, or QSS. Cecily began her career in finance, but quickly stumbled upon an area she enjoyed so much more, that of construction development management. She cut her construction teeth at leading companies like Suncorp and Mervac, where she gained a wealth of experience in the day-to-day running of big businesses and the delivery of large-scale projects, before then joining the family business her father started nearly 33 years ago. No one was more surprised than Cecily when her father asked her to take over running the family business, a business he had built up from scratch at a time when the steel industry was no place for a woman. Women don't work here and they never will, were words Cecily's father told her growing up, And yet today, Cess has been the CEO of QSS coming up six years. And whilst she's proven her dad wrong that many women work at QSS today, Cess is still the only female CEO in the wholesale sheet distribution business in Australia. I've known Cess for quite a while, and she is an absolute gun. Incredibly resilient, as you'll hear. She's a problem solver and an out-of-the-box thinker. As a woman in a man's world, she has needed to prove herself time and time again, not just to her peers, customers and her staff, but to her father, who started the business from nothing and he's been struggling to let it go as it is absolutely his third child. Cess is a down to earth straight shooter and I'm thrilled to have her on the show today. Sess, I am so excited to have you here on the podcast with me. Welcome to the One
1: Question Podcast. Thank you very much. I'm very much looking forward to having a chat with you today.
0: So if there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be?
1: It would be about family business and succession.
0: Yeah, fabulous. I clearly know why we're going to talk about that because you're a mate of mine. But Sess, why are you so passionate about that area?
1: I've been involved in our family business for the last 14 years. It is in the steel industry. So we sell to the manufacturing industry in Australia. We're based in Queensland and my father started it 37 years ago with a friend who actually passed away quite early in its inception. So he's been running it by himself for a really long time. I have one sister and she's not involved in the business, but there's just me and in a very male dominated world from when I was growing up. So it started when I was eight and we never thought that my sister and I would ever be part of it. In fact, it was never talked about at home. It wasn't a conversation that we brought up because there was a real assumption that it was very male-dominated and my mother wasn't in it and you never saw women back then in in that industry. So 20 years ago, odd, my father first approached me to be part of the business and to say I was shocked is probably a bit of an understatement. He'd actually was speaking to a consultant business about transition and what that looks for him. And they said, well, have you thought about your daughter? And at that time, I actually was in the construction industry. I was in um, development and was absolutely loving it. So when he came and first approached me, as I said, I was really, really shocked. And it was a really, really hard decision to make because I loved what I was doing, but also you have this pool of respect and obligation for your family.
0: And also that legacy piece as well, I guess, isn't it, that, you know, retaining a business and passing it all through the family, yeah.
1: And you do because you see the blood, sweat and tears that he went to in growing it. So, you know, you don't want that all to go to waste. So at that time we really spoke about it and we had both agreed that we it wasn't going to go ahead, particularly I just when I just wasn't really at that headspace to be able to think about it. Then I um, had my first child. I'd created my own consultancy business at the time. And he said, can you just come in and help me out with the finances? And it pretty much just grew from there. So over a really short period of time, I found out that which is very, very typical in first-generation businesses. They are the ones that start it and build the foundations and the next generation are the ones that kind of take it to the next level and put a bit more structure in there and be able to take it to where it needs to be. Because when I started, we called it the Barry loan. Half the staff had loans with Dad. Everyone was in negative leave. There was no contracts. There was no policies. So I've come from a massive corporate into the business and went, oh my God, what's going on?
0: Especially in construction and steel. Like you're not dealing with paper clips.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You know, and there was a lot of people that didn't have a lot of structure there or direction, really. And it was very that generational thing that dad was the, you know, running of the business and the man and what he said goes. When I came in, the way I look at that is very, very different. I'm very much more collaborative, and I think that's just the way things have changed over generations as well. So that's been 14 years. Then about eight years ago, he came to me and said, "I want out. I don't want to play in the sandpit anymore," as he put it, and said, "Would you take it over? Would you, you know, take the business on?" And we had a really big conversation about it at the time, and um, we both agreed as long as it doesn't impact the relationships let's keep this moving. And at that stage, it had to some degree because there was some pushback on bringing new things in. And I've been CEO of the business ever since. So I'm the only female CEO in the steel industry in Australia, which is sad in itself, but it shows you just how much women weren't around. And when I first started, there was just no women anywhere. And to be honest, when I came on board, the staff and the team that were at the time were really confused because Barry was very much at at the front of that, Bandwagon of women don't work in the steel industry and really should never be here. So, when I came on, it was kind of good the way we did it. When I came on 14 years ago, I came on, I did all the kind of hard yards. I really understood the business, you know, I got understanding of all the different areas. And then it was this growth to then, you know, that period of time becoming CEO. And by the time I got to that point, kind of everyone accepted it. But when I first started, it was a lot of challenges, that's for sure.
0: I'd like to sort of pull on those threads because obviously, like for anyone listening that has a business and wants to, you know, do sort of succession with their own kids or for those that are interested in their family business, there's so many questions I have for you there. So exactly how you just described it, would you recommend if, if there's scope for someone to do that to kind of come in and learn the ropes a little bit low key first or, you know, and I guess some, in some cases you don't have the chance. It's like immediately you're, you're the CEO tomorrow and you have no idea about the business. So if there's an ideal scenario, how would you recommend someone handle that the best way?
1: Well, we've kind of created that for my kids. I've got three boys. They're still very, very young. And if I went back and did it all again, it would be a completely, completely different beast. So a few things that I'd do differently. I would have a very clear conversation with my father or parents or whoever that looks like as to what the expectation is. For me when I come on board, what that lead time of what that would look like before you get moved into management or whatever that is, what kind of training and support you need there, whether it's courses, whether it's a mentor or something like that to be able to guide, and what is the actual transition and goal of the current owners of moving out of the business, or is there an intention they even want to do that? They want to be there till they drop dead in the floor, warehouse, whatever. I think you have to have very clear expectations of the people that are coming in and the people that are also in there that everyone is on the same page and that everyone understands what those roles are from the beginning to the end. You know, I think we have such a large amount of businesses in Australia which are family businesses. So 70% of businesses in Australia are family businesses and I think people don't understand until they're in it how difficult it actually is. So you look at a standard business or corporate business and how hard that is to be involved in that. You throw in some family members and the emotions and all the relationships go into that and you could have a ticking time bomb. So it's really, really important that communication is at the forefront of that. There's a lot of resources out there which I don't think are being told enough to family businesses to be able to give them that support. And I think also having some form of mediator or someone that the family can use to communicate with if necessary is really important as well. So we have a family council meeting which we've only started creating the last three years it's only because I investigated that and was looking at ways to be able to better communicate not only with my father but my mother who was also not in the business and my sister so everyone could understand what's happening in the business and then then the financial impact that has across everyone. And typically everyone was hearing it from dad and he'd say one thing to one and one to another and sometimes it depends on what they wanted to hear and it con- sometimes got confusing where now we have a family council meeting We all sit there together and we all hear the same thing. So it really takes a lot of that confusion out of the mix and everyone's hearing it firsthand and it really kind of helps the scenario. Again, I wish we had that so much earlier in the piece because it would have saved a lot of problems that we would have had.
0: I think it's wise and I think, you know, I've worked for a couple of pretty big family businesses in my career and even as an employee, not a, not a family member, I mean some of the intricacies and the things that you would see. So a couple of things I want to talk about. One, I mean having a board is something that kind of helped with that in terms of, you know, us as executive reporting to the board rather than to the family. But you would see lots of different, you know, idiosyncrasies and things go on. What happens, you know, as you said, like so succession plans come in, It's very clear and in the circumstances of a place that I worked, it was quite clear about the founder stepping out and there was an external CEO put in the business. The CEO was put in the business, was very experienced, was very good at the job. The founder then still never wanted to leave. You know, how do you manage that type of stuff, I guess, if, you know, if that's happening and, you know, as you say, you set the expectations but then the expectations change or the founder changes their mind, you know? What's your kind of advice there?
1: Founders are very good at changing their minds because I think they have this idea of what they want to do and when things... Because you've got to think about the fact that running a business, you've got all these things you're controlling and slowly as you're bringing in another generation, they are taking on those responsibilities. And so it's really hard for someone to let their baby go. It's an extension. It's another baby in the family, really. And so they will struggle with that transition of being able to have the full and upright power to slowly have that taken away. And that's really, really hard, you know. And again, it's a matter of communicating and them understanding that that has to happen. But when reality hits, it's a different kettle of fish altogether. And really it has to be a very frank conversation that if you don't let it go, what are the actual ramifications you're doing to the legacy and your business if you don't? This is the same context, I think, whether it's a very small business or whether it's a large business, family businesses, or there's one person like me, or there's a whole heap of siblings and cousins and all these other people involved. Communication is your key. And again, if you have agreed and it's written down and this is what's gonna happen, and then the owner starts changing their mind, there has to be another sit-down and conversation about what that looks like because they will keep on changing their goalposts. And I know exactly what that likes because my dad's constantly doing that. But I'm at a point with our business now is I'm fully running the business. He knows what's going on, but the day-to-day decisions or even larger decisions, it's kind of down to me. But he still very much struggles to let it go. He will still come in and every once in a while, we'll go jump downstairs and play with the boys in our warehouse because it's part of their identity. And if they don't do the work to be able to work out something other than something that's taken over all their time and their thought for so long and start physically going, okay, what else am I going to do for the rest of my life? If you can't see them doing that, then they're never going to leave. And you have to make a decision of whether you are going to accept that or whether you have to do the right thing by you as an individual to be able to step back. I look at it this way when you have a family business and a family member has asked you to be part of it, they need to be able to understand that you are being asked, it's not the other way around. Or if you're coming to the party and asking to be part of it, you are bringing value. There is value there and they need to be able to accept the fact that there's going to be change. There needs to be accept the fact from the owner there's going to be change and they need to step back, but also from the person that's coming in that you're not going to have your way straight away and even though you want to bring in all these amazing things, it's not going to happen overnight because there has to be an adjustment for both of those parties to kind of find the familiarity of where are those steps and how is it going to work. So, again, communication, communication.
0: You're reminding me of a couple of cases where we acquired some companies and some of those, the most successful cases of that, where we acquired like 80%, so the founding remained 20%. And the best circumstances, were the most successful ones, were where we worked with the owner and said, what is it the thing that you love the most? you know, in this business. And so if I use an example for a touring company, you know, this guy was so creative, this founder, he came up with the most phenomenal itineraries. This guy had traveled to the most extensive places in the world, you know, I've traveled a lot. This guy (laughs) has traveled twice as many places as I have. One of the things he loved the most was building new itineraries and coming up with new concepts and things for the company. So what we did is actually put him into that role fully. That's what he did. Not, and he obviously didn't work full-time. He was sort of semi-retired. So he dialed it all back, had those couple of hours, or a couple of days a week that he worked, and he just worked on that those projects. And he was in heaven because actually he didn't love managing the staff. He didn't really love the finance part of the business. He hated, you know, doing all the other parts, the trade shows and all that kind of shit. And he didn't really love being the face of the business. He was quite shy, but he was so bloody good at that. And that was where, for me, it was lovely to see that that was so successful. It was a great thing for him. He was still involved in the business, but he got out of kind of running it. He was very happy for someone else to come in and be the person. He was still on the board, so he's very much involved in the business. But, you know, for people that are kind of looking at options and stuff about the best scenario, that was something that was so successful. And he also had children and identify that they weren't the best people to run the business. And I think that requires a lot of maturity, doesn't it?
1: Having those really hard conversations with your family is really important because I've got three boys and they will not just walk into the business tomorrow. So if they have a desire for it, they have to go work somewhere else. For at least five years. This is We've actually written this down in our family council documentation. They cannot work in the business for five years. They need to go and get experience elsewhere, whether that's our industry or a different industry, it doesn't matter. And they need to be able to at least travel for at least six months for them to get a really good perspective of outside of Australia to again see some different perspectives. And then if they choose to come in, that's when they will basically not be moved straight into management it'll be basically understanding the business all the ins and outs and then understanding okay what are the areas that they need improvements on what are the areas they need support on and ensuring they get that extra support not necessarily from people within the business sometimes without it could be me mentoring them or someone management or it could be an ex, like a business mentor so you know that's really important i think but again going back to the founder it's really important to be able to you know respect them in regards to them stepping out, but they also you have to also make sure that legally you're covering yourself and your business. So my father's the same. like he doesn't really want to be in the office day to day and all that kind of stuff. but you've also got to be careful that if someone of the older generations downstairs, is that actually safe? you know Are they still physically up to do that? You have to weigh up all these things to be able to do it. And every single family business is different, but we've all got exactly the same premise. You've got family members that are coming in, going out, and they're always going to be some kind of conflict that has to be dealt with. And it's making sure that you have to be able to see it from the other person's perspective. And sometimes it does take someone else of the business, like a mediator to come in, or sometimes having a CEO that's actually not a family member is an okay decision too. I know a lot of family businesses, I've really kind of the last five years have really kind of made an effort to spend time with other family businesses. And that's something that I really want to say today, which I would really recommend for people. If you can take yourself off and go to seminars or conferences or listen to a podcast or anything to hear about what other businesses do, so you can take those bits that work for your business and make it work. Because I was so focused on just the business and raising my kids and all that kind of stuff that I thought it was just us. But every family business goes through it. Every family, and then you can't, and then you go, oh my god, I'm not the only one. There's other people going through this as well. And then either time I've gone, oh that's a really good idea. I'm going to bring that on. I'm going to bring that on. So you know, as I said, I wish I did it earlier, but really taking the time to really work out what you need to be able to steal from ideas from other family members, or do you even just getting them to come on into the business and going, can you give me some suggestions? Because a lot of people just want to help too. Mm.
0: Other industries as well, right? You always learn from other ones, but you know, you've got like a triple whammy. So you're a family member that, you know, is coming in as a CEO. And I imagine there's probably people that had worked for your father for many, many years that probably thought that they potentially could have that role. So you probably had to navigate that. You were a family member and you are a female. How did you navigate that in those early days? And is there anything that you would have done differently in that point? And then the third question to that is for someone else supporting you, because I imagine you probably copped some flack from other staff members um, through that time as well. Like any advice you've got for people that are about to embark on a similar situation to you?
1: Look, I'm not going to lie, it was very, very hard. One of my other guys who started not long before I kind of came on board said to me, show me around on the very first day of his job and he he was walking in down the warehouse, put his arm around him and said, women don't work here, mate, and sure as shit never will. And literally a year later I turn up. So it was really, really hard. Confronting, Really, really hard. So, you know, we had those beautiful calendars up on the wall with the girls naked. There wasn't any female toilets, so I was using the disabled oh my toilet. God. And you walk into an environment that we did have people that went, I don't understand why you're here. And they had intention. They thought they would be the next step in that business. But, again, Dad wasn't a great communicator, so didn't really make it aware of these particular people. that He was never contemplating them. But it was a really difficult time. You know, I'm Daddy's little girl. I walked into the steel industry and I'm walking in, to an environment that I don't know. So it was very hard for me to be able to prove myself and I had to work my ass off. I was working so many more hours than anyone else in that business. I was asking questions of absolutely everyone. So three things that I've really used over the time is I've asked lots and lots of questions lots of questions over the time. Like I've traveled all over the world looking at steel mills so I can understand how we make it. I spent time on the floor with the boys seeing how we actually packaged our goods. I've spent time with all our office staff, seeing what every single tiny piece of that puzzle was. So understanding every single aspect is really, really important. And then I've spent time understanding what a leader should look like. You can be called a leader but whether you're actually capable of doing that is two different things. So I've spent time really getting courses and support and mentoring to constantly involve my leadership skills. And that involves really understanding emotional intelligence. I think women have a particular innate ability to do that. I think men do too, but women may be a slightly higher ability to be able to do that. So I think that's probably saved me a lot over the period of time I've been in there because I'm constantly learning constantly wanting to know more, never afraid to ask questions and always willing to ask questions, but I have to make sure I'm listening to the answers because if you're not doing that, you're never going to learn. And using my gut instincts, my gut instincts have just shown me so many different things when I didn't use them. And then when things go to shoot, I'm like, damn it. And that has been my guiding, guiding light. And I'm sure you've heard that millions of times, but it was really hard for me to be able to prove to not only the staff. But the steel industry, to customers, to my dad, to the traders we buy our steel from, that I actually had the capability and had the very much right to be sitting at that table. That took a time and I've gone, I had to prove myself like everyone does, but it was certainly had a lot more barriers than if I was a man.
0: Yeah, it's wild. Tess, I've known you for a while and always known you're a tough cookie, and I adore you for it. but hearing you say that about you know navigating that is it's quite confronting. So you know I've been in the industry and obviously you know on the boards and stuff for years that I'm still the only female, and this stuff's not changing. What is your advice to young females that look up to you and aspire to be like you? You know what can they do to learn and how do they combat those kind of, you know, challenges that they're in an industry that is male dominated and they've got to navigate that space.
1: Look, it's really confronting when you first walk into it, especially if you don't have the full knowledge. So it's not going to ever going to be easy. But what all I can say is just keep on getting back up. Keep on getting back up. The amount of times I used to go home and I was bawling my eyes out and crying in the shower so my kids couldn't see it. I did that a lot, but that's okay. Like, you know, I would hold myself together at work and then get in the car and just cry my eyes out, or I'd have to pep top myself to get back up again. Believe me, I wanted to quit so many times. I cannot tell you, but I didn't do that for a number of reasons. I'm really stubborn. <laughs> I secondly wanted to prove it to not only myself, but also my kids. But also to the people that I was working for that, you know, whether it's me or whether it's them, that you could get as many knocks as you can get, but you can keep on pushing through it. And every time you do that, you just get that little bit more confident that if I can go through that, I can get through everything. Like if I look back in the last 14 years and the stuff I've had to put up with and had to go through, there's no way in hell myself 14 years ago would have ever thought I could do it. I have always made sure that I've got back up again. But things like finding your tribe is really, really important. So you get education when you get through uni or a course or a podcast or whatever, and whatever that means for you. But you also need to have support around you. So I've got this women of tribe that I've got around me, which includes yourself, that I can call at any time. And I know that will have my back and I can ask questions on. And each of them give me something different. That has been a game changer. That's probably been the last, what, five years that I've started really hoeing in on creating a group of people around me that are all business owners or, you know, high-level management so I can bounce ideas around to be able to understand what's missing or what ideas I need to be able to look into or further investigations. So that's been a massive, massive game changer. But men can do that too, right? They can have that's their group right. of men and it can be men, it can be women, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be one person, it could be 20 Whatever works for you.
0: And what do you find now when you have people that uh, have bad behaviour? In the early days, I imagine as a younger female and being new on the job, you probably would have just sucked it up and just gently tried to change things. What's your approach to that sort of stuff now? How do you handle it?
1: I do not put up with any shit. (laughs) I just don't. Kind of knew that answer, but anyway, (laughs) just (laughs) testing. (laughs) Because if I don't do it, I'm not doing. I'm not doing it. I'm a disservice to myself. But every other woman out there that doesn't have the confidence that I do right now, because I didn't always have this confidence, right? It's taken me a really long time to know that I am very capable. I can do this job. I can do this very, very well. And I'm a great leader. As I said, I'm always going to be learning, but I have a confidence that I didn't have five, six years ago, and that is because of all the reasons I've said before. When you're starting out, it is really, really hard, but you will slowly find your voice and over time you can build that. But if you've you've got people that can back you, so if there's another woman in the room and she doesn't have that confidence, if I don't call that out, who am I? giving her
0: the chance to speak out as well. Exactly.
1: And then maybe next time she might have that confidence to do it herself. Yeah. So with my own business, I don't hear any of it. I've now got 17% women in my business now. They are bloody amazing and they all hold themselves because I say to them, you hold your head up high. I said, don't you let anyone talk to you in any other way that then you deserve. And i really kind of pumping them constantly and telling how amazing they are because they are. They're bloody amazing women. And we all are. We've all got our special abilities. And we've got to be able to stand up and go, I can do this.
0: Yeah. Beautiful, Cess. Obviously, the show Succession is quite a big deal, you know, on Netflix at the moment. A lot of people have watched it. Have you seen the show?
1: I have watched it. Yes. I fully binged it.
0: Well, and I wondered, if there any elements that you were like could really relate to? Or or do you think it's just a whole lot of crap?
1: No, totally, completely related to it. Completely related to it. (laughs)
0: where well, there's some things you're like holy
1: shit that happens to me as well oh my god like that patriarchal way in which he ran the business you know and dad softened and changed over time now but when he first when I first started the business very much it was his way the highway again it's that generation right who just go this is the way it's going it was just the fight of trying to bring new things in and not really wanting to do it and I don't know whether it's lucky or not lucky but my sister really didn't have any desire to be in the business so I didn't have another sibling to compete with or anything like that so you know I don't know whether that was a good thing or bad thing because we could have done that together or whether it's better but I've got the family that I've got so it is what it is for us but yeah no it was it was a very very good show definitely Uh, recommend anyone to watch that one whether you're in a family business or not it was really really good
0: yeah yeah Sess, it's been an absolute delight to chat to you today. Thanks so much for coming on the show. So many great tips and, you know, I think people go away with a lot better insight into family businesses and how tough they are. You know, people think they're lucky because, oh, you inherited the family business, how lucky are you? But in reality, your life would have probably been a lot easier if you went and worked for another company. You probably would have got paid more, you would have had less stress.
1: Look, I remember one person saying to me, well, you've been given the golden ticket. And I just stood back and was just in complete shock because people just didn't understand the amount of pressure that you get, not only from running a business, but the family part is really, really hard. And you need to take your hat off to all those family businesses going through that. And there's a lot of us and we need to get that recognition because I don't think it's enough out there at the moment. But I do really appreciate the chat. It's been really fun.
0: Thanks, Sess. I'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour?